listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Seven churches to avoid in 2022. Um, This is getting more important than it ever has been. And um, you definitely want to take notes on this. I'm I'm going to be dealing with seven different things. Uh, that that are extremely dangerous that we're seeing in more and more churches sadly and um, people need to have their eyes out let me tell you one of the things that irritates Carolyn and I a lot Carolyn and me for the grammatical Nazis out there um, one of the things that irritates us a lot is people you know there may be people we know or whatever and uh, let's say they're attending a dead church or a church that's going nowhere or whatever it might be um, you know, they're just dead, just completely dead and, uh, entrenched maybe in a spirit of religion, or they don't preach, uh, the full gospel, whatever it might be. And, uh, they'll say, you know, well, we just feel like God is keeping us there. You know, we feel like God is, he's, he's, he's keeping us there to change it, you know, to change it. It's like, that's not how God works. God does not work, uh, by insubordination. I've said that on the broadcast before. God does not work by insubordination. He doesn't change things from the bottom up. He changes things from the top down. It would be out of line for you to correct your pastor. It would be out of line to try to correct his methods and to correct him. God has entrusted him with that church and with those people and with that ministry. Uh, Any pastor that's worth his salt is going to have... uh, ministers that are over him or at least his peers that are instructing and encouraging him. Uh, and so, uh, that's the job of the people that the pastor is under or that the pastor has submitted himself to. And I don't mean a board. I don't mean like a board of lay people. I mean, other ministers that may be older, um, more advanced in, in ministry, whatever that they've submitted themselves to uh, spiritual oversight, if you will it would be out of line for a member of the congregation to correct their pastor spiritually. That's, that's not the way the body of Christ works. And so when I hear people say, you know, well, uh, you know, I'm just staying there to change it. I'm staying there to change it. You're not going to change it. If you're not the leader of that church, you're not going to change that, that church at all. And so the real problem is that you, knowing all that is wrong there, whether it's doctrine, whether it's uh, you know a lack of integrity, whatever it is, the, the issue is that you have stayed rather than followed what you know to be right and go somewhere that makes sense, right? So I'm going to give you seven things to look out for uh, in 2022. And maybe you're in one of these types of churches or maybe you have friends that are. It's important to get these things in your spirit because it will help you. It'll help your Christian life, no question, but it'll help you moving forward. One of the worst things you could do is be in a, a bad church, a bad church. What do you mean a bad church? I thought all churches are good. Not all churches are doing what Jesus commanded them to do. And so if you're not doing what Jesus commanded you to do, are you really submitted to the head of the church? Are you submitted to Christ? 
Because if we are submitted to Christ, then guess what? We'll do what he says. We'll do what he commands. And so it's important to understand these things. I'm going to give you seven churches to uh, disassociate from in 2022. Watch out for, be careful of. Um, I would never be a part of these ever. These are non-negotiables to me. Hannah said, that's good. Why sit under a pastor if you don't agree with their doctrine? That's exactly right. And Hannah gets that, but it's sad how many uh, people in the church don't get that. You know, and they say, well, you know, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff going on at the church, but we've just gone here for so long. It's like, no, you don't stay with them in a place where they're teaching uh, wrong doctrine or improper doctrine. Like Gina's talking about churches, you know, there's a lot of cessationist churches where they don't believe uh, that the Holy Spirit is still moving uh, through the gifts of the Spirit. They're not in operation anymore, that he ceased in his operations on the earth, you know, when the last apostle died or whatever. And so I'm going to give you these seven. You need to, you need to get these down. You need to put them in the comments, but you need to write them down and make a list. You need to mark these things down because they're extremely, extremely important. And sadly, as we're moving more into the postmodern generation, we're seeing more of these, uh, truth is relative kinds of churches. There's no absolute truth. You know, your truth is your truth and mine is mine and that works for you, but it doesn't work for me. That's a huge problem because if there's no standard of truth, then you've got major issues. You've got major issues. So let me deal with this right off the bat um, before we get into these seven. This thought process of truth being relative. Do you know people like to talk that way? For example, they say, well, you know, atheists may say this. Well, you don't need a religious element in society in order for society to be civil, right? That's their argument. You don't need church or religion in order for people to be good people and to just do what's right. Well, here's the problem with that argument is that if you don't have an element or a standard that is greater than yourself, that comes from a place that's greater than yourself, then the real question is, who determines what is right and what is wrong? Because, right, even, even atheists will say, you know, well, you know, everything's fine as long as you're not hurting somebody else. Raise your hand in the comments if you've heard that argument. Everything's fine as long as you're not hurting somebody else, right? Because it's all, we do what we feel to do. We do what we want to do. You know, why do you care what I'm doing if it doesn't hurt you? Uh, but then the question you have to ask, if you have that mindset, and this is the next logical question. Well, if the, if the way you believe is right, then what's wrong with hurting someone else? Why is that bad? If it makes me happy to hurt others, then why is it wrong? Because it's my truth. That's what I like to do. You know, it makes me happy, puts me in a good place. Well, no, that's wrong. Who said? Who said it's wrong? Because if, no, uh, if there's no standard that's bigger than you, that's outside of you, that we have to, and, and that should show you right there that worldwide, right? This shows you that the law of God is written on men's hearts, even if they're not saved. This should show you because in every single culture on the earth, murder is wrong. In every single culture on the earth, rape is wrong. In every single culture. So there's these standards that we just hold to as human beings, 
even if we're not saved. Do you know people that aren't saved think lying is wrong? They don't appreciate being lied to. They punish their children for lying. They don't think lying's right. You can get in trouble in the natural world for lying, for fraud. That's wrong. Well, why, why is it wrong? Makes me happy. I didn't want to tell you the truth. It's wrong. Even sinners consider it to be wrong, though they still do it, right? Uh, all of these different things, many of the things on the Ten Commandments list, even sinners consider to be wrong. And so uh, where do those things come from? Why is it in our heart like that? Why is it in our heart? If this makes me happy, why can't I do it? It's not hurting anybody else. But why is hurting other people wrong? Who said it was wrong? Right? And so people say, well, you should just know better. Well, why would I know better? Who should teach me to know better? See, if there's no standard, then there is truly lawlessness of the heart, of the mind, everything. Because we can all just do what we want. You know, and then that people say, well, I like to expect the best of people and believe the best of people. And the funny thing is, even you talk to atheists when they say that, you're like, we don't need religion. Okay, but do you still lock your doors at night? Absolutely you do. Because you don't truly expect the best of people. You keep yourself what? Safe. From who? Well, people are, are generally good. Oh, really? Why do you lock your doors? Why do you lock your car? All those things. Why are there even locks on your doors? So it's a foolish way to believe that we don't need a standard. So that leads us to number one, the first type of church you need to avoid. And I'm going to tell you something. If I saw this now that many of them aren't, many of these church plants today aren't even doctrinal enough to even let you know this. So you might, you might have to dig a little bit to even know this, but if they are stupid enough to put this like on their doctrinal statement on their website about us page, you need to run as fast as you can away from that church. And it's number one. What is it? That they don't believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word of God. Two things. Inspired and inerrant. Inspired meaning no man wrote the Bible. And the Bible teaches that, by the way, about itself. No man wrote the Bible. The Holy Spirit inspired every single word in the Bible. The Holy Spirit overall is the author, though he used men to write the words, but he gave them the words. And the Bible teaches us that second Peter chapter one, verses 16 through what? 21. Very, very plain, very plain. The Bible is about this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It breathed out of the mouth of God. So if you're at a church, that does not believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word of God, I'm not even joking you. That is, that's a deal breaker. You need to run as quickly as you can from that church. You know why? Because again, what I just explained to you is what they'll be doing. You can't hold anybody to a standard because, and I've studied all this stuff, the people that believe like that, you know what they start saying? Well, you know, these were just human men that wrote these books. These were just flawed men. You know, we can't really, they didn't understand culture. You know, they believed in slavery. You know, you can't, you can't really listen to what these men from 2000 years ago wrote down. On, and that's how they'll start to approach the Bible. Well, you know, I believe there's some good principles in there. I've, this is what, what they say. I've heard them say it. 
well, I believe there's some good principles in there. And, you know, I like to look at what Jesus said and did, but I actually heard a theologian quote unquote say, I love Jesus, but I tolerate Paul. That's what he said. I love Jesus, but I tolerate Paul. Talking about their writings, like what they were taught that were recorded in the gospels versus the epistles. Love Jesus, love his teachings. I tolerate Paul. That's because you're an idiot. That's because you think people wrote the Bible, not the Holy Spirit with his overarching uh, thread of continuity from the Old to New Testaments. I mean, ridiculous. And so if you're, if there's a church that does not believe that the Bible is the inerrant and inspired word of almighty God, you need to get out and get out quickly because now you've got no standard that is supernatural to hold to. You've got no standard whatsoever. You say, well, are there really churches that do that? Absolutely. There are churches that believe like that. And it's demonic to try to take what God gave us as his most precious gift after Jesus and the Holy spirit and say, well, you know, this is just natural, just like any other book. This is just on par with the Quran. It's on par with anything else. It was written by fallible men. You know, that's, that's how they talk. That's what they believe. Um, Michael says, should Christians make any references to the book of Enoch? I hear it mentioned a lot lately. It's not in the word, uh, would not be spirit led, right? Uh, the book of Enoch is not inspired by God. There are heresies that are very plain in the book of Enoch. Now you can read it as extra biblical literature, just like you would read anything else. Of course you can read it, but you would never put any, uh, apocryphal book on par with the word of God. And by the way, the book of Enoch is not even an apocryphal book. It's what's called a pseudepigraphal book. It's not even considered to be, uh, I mean, I, you, I could sit here and you could list three pages worth of heresies found in the book of Enoch, uh, worship of angels. Uh, there's, there's another, there's another thing that's very dangerous that the book of Enoch teaches. And that is that the forgiveness of sins has been delegated to angels, which is not found anywhere in the Bible. And so there, if a book has heresies in it, you can't say, well, you know, you just got to kind of skip over those parts, but there's some powerful parts. No, it's not a Holy spirit inspired book. And one thing I never get is because Christians are so moved by fads. It's like, they're so moved by fads. They get bored with what's truly powerful. It's like, if you have to preach out of the book of Enoch, if you're, if you're so, if, if you're so disinterested with the actual 66 books that the Holy Spirit's given us, that you have to start pulling in apocryphal and pseudepigraphal books to preach from, what is the deal? Why have you become so disinterested in the actual word of God that you need to start preaching from books that aren't the word of God? That blows my mind. I've never understood this. Never understood it. Why would you even preach from or reference a book in that way, even, even trying to, in a general way, put it on par with the Bible that has heresies in it, heretical doctrines. And so, uh, no, I would say, I mean, you, yes, I'm not saying don't read it, read it. If you want, you can read the apocryphal books that are in the Catholic Bible. You can read other writings like you can, the church fathers and other things. Uh, but you have to know what, what lines up with the doctrine of scripture and what doesn't. And if you don't have a church that believes that the Bible is the inspired and inerrant word of God, then you need to get out. That's, that's a major problem. And then number two, if you're in a church that refuses to preach the full gospel, 
That's the second warning sign. If you're in a church right now that has any of these things, I don't care if it's one of the seven, you need, before 2022, you need to be out. The, uh, the technical book, uh, name of the book is One Enoch. One Enoch or First Enoch. But I don't know of a second or third or fourth. If your church doesn't preach the full gospel, what do I mean by that? Salvation. Jesus is a savior, but healing. Jesus is a healer. Prosperity. God is a provider, supernatural provider desires to bless you financially, set up a covenant to bless you financially deliverer, the gifts of the Holy spirit. You know, if you're in a church that refuses to preach the full gospel, get out, get out of these churches that tell you Jesus doesn't heal anymore. Get out of these churches that tell you that that prosperity gospel, get out of those churches, get out of those churches that say that the Holy Spirit's not moving anymore and that his work ceased, you know, thousands of years ago. Get out of those foolish churches, foolishness. You know, what's crazy is that it's not just that the Bible teaches that, by the way, it's not, let me, let me give you something. It's not like us. We're just nutty Pentecostals that don't go by the text. You know, here's the thing people need to get is like, well, those people try to act all high and mighty. Like, well, we're the ones that are intelligent Christians and those Pentecostals are dummies. Let me tell you something. There are uh, people that were very well-respected cessationist scholars, not just preachers, not just Christians, scholars that taught at uh, cessationist universities like Dallas Theological Seminary. One I'm thinking of, Dr. Jack Deere. Professor, professor at Dallas Theological and wrote a book called Surprised by the Power of the Holy Spirit or Surprised by the Power of the Spirit in which he, he actually went back through the Bible uh, and he was challenging his own presupposition that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. And he came to the end of his study and recognized that no logical thinking Christian could ever read through the Bible and come out the other side a cessationist. That's his quote. That's his quote. Now, he's not some dummy. He's a professor at a theological university. So there are people who understand if you don't hold that presupposition, like for what I mean by that is if you weren't raised being taught that the you know, Holy Spirit, his gifts ceased that, you know, but if you didn't grow up being taught that in one of these dead churches, you'd never read the Bible and come to that conclusion. You'd never come to that conclusion because there's nowhere in the Bible that teaches anything like that. Nothing like that. And, and it's insane. You have to do biblical gymnastics to try to believe that the Holy Spirit somehow stopped what he was doing. Biblical gymnastics. Because there's no place that teaches it in the New Testament. And that's when the Holy Spirit uh, was poured out upon the whole church. By the way, if you look, if you look to not just the end of, I mean, you go through all the book of Acts, you go through all the epistles book of revelation, whatever, you don't see the Holy spirit stop working. You don't see it at all. But then you go into the early church fathers and the writings of the early church fathers, Irenaeus, Polycarp, you can go right down through the line. First three, four centuries of the church. And guess what? They were still seeing the manifestations of the Holy ghost, still seeing healings, still seeing demons cast out. They were seeing supernatural things happen. People raised from the dead unbelievable that people would try to make this argument that the Holy Spirit stopped in his work. No, even church history shows us that's false. 
<laughs> you know, it's, you can't, what are you going to argue that like Irenaeus and Thomas Aquinas and Polycarp and uh, Ignatius and all these guys, you're going to, uh, you're going to argue they were like some like nut job televangelist, you know, with, with a bright orange suit asking for a, a $32 seed. These guys were no joke. They were no joke. Aquinas was probably one of the greatest minds in the history of church. And these guys were seeing it and they were writing it and they were describing it. The Holy Spirit's working. He's doing what he has always done. And so if you're in a church that refuses to preach the full gospel for some reason, get out. Get out. Yeah, exactly. Michael said, people say the gift of tongues is outdated. Why would we still have the gift of, sp- of the spirit except tongues? Makes no sense. It's because they misappropriate what tongues is and why it was given. And if you don't have Miracle Word University, you need to get it because we do a whole class on pneumatology where we teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. We teach on all that. It's like five hours or so of teaching on MiracleWordU.com. And it's the first course we ever released um, on, on the Holy Spirit because people have so not understood this for so long that it's now just a common misconception. We teach you why it's false from scripture. Number three, number one, if they don't believe the Bible's inspired and inerrant. Number two, if they don't preach the full gospel. Number three, if the Holy Spirit is not free to move in your church. If he's not free to move, if, if, if the leadership shuts it down, what does that mean? There's no flow of the Holy Spirit. You don't see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. I don't care what people have on their statement on their website. If it's not happening in practice, you're not Pentecostal. Say, oh yeah, we're Pentecostal, brother. Oh really? Because you never lay hands on anybody. You never lay hands on the sick. You never get anybody filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't even have any tongues and interpretation. There's no prophecy. Nobody's operating in the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom. You don't see any manifestations of the Holy Ghost at your church. But of course, you're fully Pentecostal. What does that mean? You have charismatic worship. We sing those songs that really meant... If that's not part of your church, if the Holy Spirit's not free to move, get out. If you see pastors that are shutting down people speaking in tongues or shutting down, oh, no, we don't do that here. Oh, really? I thought you were Pentecostal on your website, but you don't allow any of the moving of the Holy Spirit. What's up with that? What's up with that? Why do you not? Why are you only Pentecostal in theory, but not in practice? It's a problem. It was such a problem in Canada the Canadian Pentecostal churches, that the headquarters of the PAOC sent deacons out throughout the nation to attend these churches and make sure that they were still practicing Pentecostal uh, distinctives like uh, baptizing in water. And are you still giving altar calls? Are you still laying hands on the sick? Are you still getting people filled with the Holy Ghost? Why? Nobody was being saved or baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost. They had to start an initiative. Pastor Michael Spencer said, if it's not happening, then it's just written words on your doctrinal statement and you need to get out. I don't want to go to a church where the Holy Spirit's not even welcome. He's our best friend. Why would I go to a church where they don't want him moving? Why would I, why would I want to go to a church where they try to shut him down? The Bible says that's a sign of the last days. People would have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. I don't want that. I don't want a church where there's a form of godliness, but they deny the power. 
I don't want the denial of power. I need the power of God. We need miracles. We need signs. We need wonders. We need it. We have to have it. We have to have it. There's people depending on the Holy Spirit as we speak. I'm one of them for miracles, for signs and wonders. Why anybody would paint him, our best friend, as our worst enemy. You say, well, what are, who's doing that? People who say that when these things happen, it's actually a demonic deception. There's people that teach that. Well, if you see these things, you know, if you go onto these people's YouTube channels who know nothing, they know nothing. They've done nothing with the power of God. They've done nothing in the kingdom of God, but they've got a YouTube channel. And I know it's ironic that I'm saying this on my YouTube channel, but I actually have a ministry. I actually have a ministry, but you know, you get these nut jobs. <clears throat> wow. Pastor Kim Gibb in Sarnia, Ontario says now the PAOC has put out that they will be evaluating whether speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Kim Gibb, please send me their information. We want to get them signed up for Miracle Word University so that the leadership of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada can go through at least some decent teaching <laughs> on the Holy Spirit. I would like to be able to train them up in the way they should go so that when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Um, <laughs> people have blown my mind. They blow my mind. You hear these nut jobs online. Well, if people are speaking in tongues like that, that's the Kundalini spirit. You ever seen that Kundalini? Got that Kundalini spirit. What the heck are you talking about? You freaking nut job. It's the apostasy of the church is what it is. Pastor Michael Spencer's on the money. It's the, it's what was prophesied. The hearts will grow cold. Many will fall away from the faith and we're seeing it happen. And people are ignoring that it is happening, but it's Bible prophecy being fulfilled. The, the Holy Spirit's not free to move in your church. That's why I love pastor Mike Spencer, pastor Tim and Kim Gibb, these churches, because they are Holy ghost people and the Holy ghost moves in their churches. That's the kind of pastors we need. That is the kind of churches we need in the final hour of time. Not these uh, church plants where you couldn't find the Holy Ghost if you search for them with a magnifying glass. It's ridiculous. Uh, Robert N. said, what is the scripture that says tongues is the initial evidence? Genuinely asking. Well, if you look at it this way, Robert, you have to look at the biblical narrative of the book of Acts. What happened every time in the book of Acts, people were filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, and they began to speak with other tongues. In Acts 2, it was the very first thing that happened after those 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, the next instance that we see is in Samaria. The Bible says after Philip preached, the whole city was saved. And then the Bible says Peter and John came from Jerusalem to Samaria to lay their hands on the new believers. And the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. But there was some kind of an outward sign that being filled with the Holy Ghost is an inward work. There was some sort of an outward sign that caused Simon the sorcerer to want to buy the power. He said, I want to have the power to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. He saw them doing something. By the way, it's the only record that we have where people, uh, it doesn't specifically say they spoke in tongues, but we know there was an outward sign that caused Simon the sorcerer to want to buy the power. Acts chapter 10 Peter is in Cornelius's house and preaches the gospel. They were all saved and filled with the Holy Ghost at the same time. And 
They began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. That's number three. Number four, Acts chapter 19, Paul goes to Ephesus, modern day Turkey, finds 12 men that he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you became a believer? And they said, we've not even heard there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. Which baptism were you baptized with? The baptism of John. He said, that's baptism of water. Then he preached Christ unto them. They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, which means they got saved. And then he laid his hands on them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Every picture we have in the book of Acts, every picture we have of uh, baptism of the Holy Ghost in the New Testament, people spoke with tongues. And in Acts 8, there was some sort of an outward sign that showed, and it has to be, uh, there has to be continuity with all of the other evidences. And then as you move forward, Paul teaches it in 1 Corinthians 14. You know, they obviously had the ability to speak with other tongues because they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, I speak with more tongues more than all of you. He said, I'll, I'll pray with my mind or pray in my known language and I'll pray in the spirit. I'll sing with my mind and I'll sing in the spirit. And so that is true. Robert is very correct that you are, you do have the indwelling of the spirit when you give your life to Christ. No question about that. It's the sealing of your salvation. No question about it. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit living in them, but not every Christian is baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a subsequent experience, the Bible teaches. Because if not, Robert, then you would have to argue that all of those Christians in the upper room weren't saved yet. It wasn't their salvation. They were all believers already. Christ had already died. He had already been raised from the dead and he had already ascended into heaven and they were all Christians already, all of them. And so you have to argue then that they weren't saved, but they were saved. The Bible says they were Acts chapter eight. The Bible says they had already gotten saved in Samaria. So here's the question, Robert, that you have to ask logically. If all those people in Samaria had already been saved through Philip's ministry, what was the point of Peter and John coming from Jerusalem on a trip to come there and lay their hands on the new believers to get them filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Ghost. You see, it's a subsequent experience. When, when, uh, when Paul was in Ephesus, after they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, which means they were saved, why then would Paul lay his hands on them subsequently after their salvation to get them filled with the Holy Spirit? If the only thing we're looking for is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit at the time of conversion. You see what I mean? They are two separate experiences and they take, now they can take place at the same time, like Acts chapter 10. I've seen many people get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost at the same time. I've seen that happen at the altar of God. We're not saying it can't, but we're saying they are separate things. It's a, they're separate things. It's a great question and it's a common question, but that's how we explain it because they are separate things and we need both of them. And it's not for some, it's for all. Interesting note before we move on. Isn't it interesting to you that in Acts chapter 2, 4, 8, 10, and 12, five examples. Now, the people in Acts 4 were getting refilled with the Holy Spirit. But think about this. Isn't it interesting to you that in all five of those cases, every person present got filled with the Holy Ghost? This is an eye opener, by the way, all 120 were filled and spoke in tongues in Samaria. 
all of the new believers got filled with the Holy Ghost. In, in Cornelius's household, all of the household got filled with the Holy Ghost. In Ephesus, all 12 men got filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't see an evidence of a portion of the church receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then another portion not receiving it because it's not God's will for every Christian. You know, some will be filled and some will speak in tongues, but it's not for, no, that's not what the Bible shows us by example, by narrative. We see that every person present in every situation, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, every single one of them. And they all spoke in tongues. All of them did. All of them did. And so it is God's desire for every believer. Otherwise, Jesus would not have told all the believers, go tarry in Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high. He didn't want them preaching. He didn't want them traveling. He didn't want them out doing something else until they'd received the power to do it. Bethany said, is refilling something we should continually be seeking? Or is it only, I I look to be refilled all the time, all the time. I want continual experiences with the Holy Spirit. I want refreshing, refilling, because as the world and its antichrist agenda and system pushes back at us, then we push back. See, the more you get pushed back upon, like the believers were, persecution, all the other things, the enemy tries to steal your boldness. He tries to steal your compassion for people. He tries to steal your fire, all of these things. But as you stay in that relationship with the spirit, being filled and refilled with the Holy Ghost, your boldness is renewed, your compassion's renewed, and your, uh, your, your, your urgency for winning the lost is renewed. All of these uh, different things are renewed. And so it's very important that you stay on top of that. Uh, uh, continue, I always tell it this way. It's like when I got married, I kissed my wife once. It wasn't the last time I kissed her. Kissed her the next day and the next day. Because when you come into a covenant relationship with someone, it's not so that you can get away from them. It's so that you can stay with them and be with them all the time. And that's the key. You want to be in close personal contact with that person all the time. And that's what the relationship with the Holy Ghost is. And so we go to number four. If you have a church that is not engaged in outreach of any kind, not winning the lost. What are they doing? What are they doing? What are, why is a church 30 years old, 40 years old, and they still have the same 113 people that have been there for 30 years? Why is there no growth? You know, you need to ask yourself that question. Why is there no growth? And don't say, well, it's because of the days we're living in. Don't say, well, it's the end times. That's why. And don't say it's because we preach the right message and people don't want to hear it. Don't say that because Jesus, you'd have to, you'd have to argue then that Jesus didn't preach the right message. That's why he had large crowds. You'd have to preach that the apostles didn't preach the right message. And that's why they had large crowds. Well, they weren't living in these final moments of time. Okay. So we're living in the final moments of time, but there are churches that are thriving and growing like never before, just not yours. So what's the problem? What's the problem? And if you have a church that doesn't give a crap about the lost, and there are many churches like that, they don't care 
about the dying. They don't care about the lost. Well, you know, evangelism is not, not the work of the church. It's the work of the believer. Okay. Well, your church is filled with believers, I hope. Why is that not being trained into them? Why is that not happening or taking place? What's going on? And why is it that we have that problem where there's no growth? You know, if you have that happen in a physical body, the doctors automatically know there's a problem with your child or whatever. You know, your child is 30 and looks the same as when they were born. No growth. That's a problem. That's a problem. And if you've got a church that doesn't care about the lost, they don't care about the dying, you need to seriously look at that. Why am I attending a church that doesn't care about God's number one priority? Why? 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 I'd get out. These last three are a little bit funny, but not funny. And I might rant a little bit, but just roll with me. Number, number, what is this? Number five, number five, if your church has become a vaccination center or if your church is pushing the vaccine or if your church won't even allow you in the building without proof of vaccination or a mask or social distancing, it's time to go. It's time to go. Well, here's the question, Robert. He says, what if you attend a church that cares about the loss, but really don't evangelize the action is proof that you don't care about the lost. That's like me saying, you know, I really love my, my wife, but I beat her every night. No, no, I love her. I'm telling you, I love her, but I beat her every night. There's a problem because my actions don't line up with what I'm saying. And so you can say you love the lost all, all day long. We care for the lost. We care. You don't do anything for them. That's like saying, well, we care about the poor. Do you give anything to them? No, we just really care about them. We really care. It's what you do that proves you care. And so number five, if your church, three things. If your church insists, is pushing vaccine, first of all, if your church has become a vaccination center, what do I mean by that? They're doing vaccinations on the church property. Gone. I am gone. I am gone. Number two, if they're pushing or speaking from the pulpit encouraging you to get vaccinated or if they're out there talking about you can't come to church unless you have a mask you can't come to church unless you're vaccinated you can't come to church unless you're... so I'm gone I'm gone I'm absolutely gone so you know we're faith people we're faith people faith people you're not faith people. Don't, don't go around fronting that you're a faith person. And that foolishness is going on. There's a guy, well known. You would know it if I said his name. 
well-known church, put it out on their social media. They're Pentecostals. You can't come into our church without proof of vaccination. You can't come into our church and eat. Now listen. Even though you have proof of it, you still have to wear a mask the whole time. And socially distance. And socially distance. So all three things, you couldn't even come to church. Then he said this in the same. Mad. And if you're a child or an elderly person that cannot take it, then we want you to stay home. That's what they said on their public social media post. We want you to stay home. This is where we're at, at some churches in America. You have to show a passport at the door. got to come in with a mask, got to socially distance, and if you can't do those things, don't come to church. Don't come to church. Let me tell you something. If that's a church that you're in, you need to be out. And you need to be out quickly. Very, very quickly. It's a problem, man. That's a problem. You know, my cousin said this last year and everybody kind of laughed like he was joking. He said that the same churches that shut down and stayed closed the entire time are the same churches that when they reopen are going to require a vaccination passport for you to come to church. And people are like, that's never going to happen. That's conspiracy theory. And here they are in 2021 going into 2022 asking for passports at the door with that little limp-wristed usher with the temperature gun. Just need to get your temperature real quick. I bet you do. Absolutely a problem. Absolutely a problem. Need to get out. Number two, or this would be number two in my rant, but this is number six. Number six, if you have a church that is so lax on caring about your family's safety in the days that we're living in, get out. Get out. What do you mean by that? I've got faith, but I also use wisdom. We're harmless as doves, but we are wise as serpents. That's why I do have locks on my doors at my house. That's why I do have an alarm system at my house. That's why I do have a gun, multiple guns. Uh, for those that are listening at the NSA or the FBI, they're water guns, they're water pistols. I like, you know, I put lemon juice and squirt the burglars in the eye. Uh, but that's why, because what is, I mean, Jesus even just told his disciples, sell, sell what you got and buy a sword. It's time for that. And so, yes, we trust God, but we use wisdom. We're not dumb. We're not dumb. And then you have the church that's got la that's lax on safety. And then you got your children in there. You don't know what's going on in the children's classes. You've got 
uh, nut jobs roaming the streets on drugs, on drugs, people on heroin, people that are demon possessed. So how many of these videos do you have to see on social media of people coming in and shooting up churches before pastors get a, an, a, a revelation? Maybe we should have some security at the church. Maybe we should have some security cameras. Maybe our ushers should carry weapons. So, oh, brother, I don't know about all that. I do. I'm done seeing churches be shot up. Thank God. I think it was that Nigerian pastor. Did you see him tackle the dude on the stage with the gun? See Nigerian? Yeah. Pastor Tony Suarez uh, posted that on social media. And here's, here's a, a, a th- I think he was a Nigerian pastor. A guy came right into his church. So thank God for the boldness of the pastor. He had the worst ushers in the history of ushering. Probably all of them asleep somewhere. How in the world did, how in the world did that dude get onto the platform with brandishing a weapon? How do you get that far? You can't even get that far at a concert. How do you get that far at church? How are you on? I'm watching the video from that must, I think it was from a security camera of the church. I'm watching the video and the dude's up there in, in shorts, waving that handgun around at the crowd while the church mothers are rebuking the devil. Why are the church mothers having to rebuke the devil? Where were the freaking ushers? Yes, I did hear the story, Robert, about John Hagee's church where the guy came and unloaded a full clip at him. But why do we have to have miracles like John Hagee had? Why is there nobody? I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, if you've got some nutty looking dude come in the back door of your church with a black duffel bag or backpack, it might be time to just take a look or have the ushers take a look. I remember I was at DCC one time and I was on the uh, keyboard and I spotted it first because I'm looking at the whole crowd. And I saw a guy slide into the back with a backpack and he looked shady and the backpack looked shady. And I was able to keep on leading worship with my right hand and singing and with my left hand on my phone, I'm texting uh, Pastor Marco, uh, Pastor Terry's right hand man, you need to get this guy and check his bag and get get a hold of him quickly. I felt it in my spirit, like get a hold of him quickly. Why is everybody like, isn't that wonderful? We've got a new guest with a bag. What, where, where are, when are you going to get people who have enough wisdom to understand that there's a devil who hates church and hates Christians and is demonically inspiring people whose minds are open to the realm of the demonic. People are on drugs. People have problems and you've got the safety. Let me tell you, the pastor will answer to God because the safety of the sheep is entrusted to the shepherd, the shepherd. What are you doing? Why don't you have people? Why is it two old retired dudes that just sit in a chair next to the door and talk about football? Why aren't people on their guard for what the devil's trying to make happen in America? People are just gathering like a bunch of numbskulls. Well, we just expect the best of everybody and we just, no. Plan for the worst and expect the best. Plan for the worst. You need to ask, why has nobody asked the question? You know, if you, if you had a question, Why wouldn't you say to yourself introspectively, if the devil was going to destroy my church, how would he do it? If there were going to be people that came in to to take us out, how would they do it? And what could we do to stop that from happening? How how could we make it happen? You know, is it easy for somebody to slip to where our kids class is and to, and check a few kids out? Is there any kind of system 
Or can somebody just show up at the door and be like, hey, I'm uncle so-and-so. I wanted to pick up, I want to pick her up. Is that able to happen at your church? Can somebody just show up at the door and be like, hey, the parents wanted me to pick them up for them. Oh, really? And then we just hand kids to the dudes. We don't even know who they are. Why is that going on at churches? Why has nobody addressed those things? You see what I mean? If you go to a church like that, get out of a church like that. It's like, well, we're a small church, so everybody knows everybody. That's also the problem. We dealt with that one earlier. It's a problem. And then like, let me say number five or number, I guess this is number seven. Sorry. I'm all out of it with my, with my number say. If you've got a church that takes the finances lightly, you need to get out of that church. So what do you mean by that? A church that takes the finances lightly. I'll tell you what I mean by it. Number one, and pastors, if you're watching this, I'm saying this with, with love. I'm truly saying it with love. But you need to hear me because I've traveled a lot. I've seen a lot of churches, a lot. I've seen a lot of things happen over the years. I've seen a lot of things, negative things happen and that didn't have to happen. Didn't have to happen. First, if you're flippant with your giving at your church, stop it. Stop it. What do I mean by that? Well, if you, if you receive the offerings like, Hey, just as you're leaving today, you know, just drop it in a box in the back as you go. No, stop doing that immediately. Stop that whole on your way out, drop something into the, what you have in your hand is a sacrifice unto God. You don't flippantly throw that into a box on the way out as you're going to the restaurant that is brought to the altar and given to God. You don't take those moments lightly. What we're doing, this is a covenant action that brings increase. Don't take it lightly. Don't treat it like, you know, it's because most, there's a lot of pastors that are get, they get awkward when it comes to money stuff. Don't be awkward about it. Get enough in your spirit that you know why it's important, why the church does it and why it needs to be pushed even heavier than it is right now. Don't try to gloss over the offering. Don't try to gloss over the finances. You need to have a revelation as to why it's important for your people and for the church. And then you treat it as important as it is. What I'm sowing into the, into the kingdom of God, it represents my life. This is my tithe. This is my offering from all the time. I took away from my family, away from my children, away from my household to go and earn this money. And now I'm giving it to the house of God. I'm not against sowing online offerings or tithes or whatever, Mary Beth. I'm not against that. What I'm talking about is the attitude with how flippant we make the seed. You know, cause even my wife and I, even though that we, we attend church every single week in person as everyone should be doing, uh, we still go to the altar and we pray over, but we give our money uh, either via text message or right on the website through our phone, but we still go to the altar and we pray and we sow it to God. It's an important thing. Then after the, let me just say this. If you go to a church where after the offerings are given, you've got a, a shady church where it's like, you've got the same two people every single week that go into a room in the back where there's no security cameras, just a room in the back where they, where, you know, they open envelopes 
you know, and sit there and pull all the cash out and, and you know, just count the cash. Like, where's the, where is the, uh, you know, ask the same question you asked with the safety and security. If the devil was going to take our church out financially, how would he do it? If somebody wanted to embezzle money from the offerings and from the church, how easy would it be? Because if you've got the same two people counting the offering every Sunday uh, in a room that's got no security cameras, those people, all they have to do is conspire together. Where's the accountability? You know, like, oh, we, we, you know, for our time, I think for our time, we could take some lunch off of this. And then all you know, all, next thing you know, you got cash missing. But there's no way to know you've got cash missing because there's no accountability. And then you get to a place. And I've had pastors actually say to me, listen to me, I've had pastors actually say to me, well, there were a bunch of weeks there where we thought, man, that's weird that there's, no, that there's been no cash in the offerings. Everything's check and card. Oh, really? Think that's weird, do you? Maybe you want to check into that as to why there's no cash. Yes, Miranda, I think, I think it's wrong. I think you should move away from where you live and make the first priority of your life where you go to church. I've preached that on this broadcast for years that we need to plant ourselves in a place where there's Holy Ghost church. Absolutely, I think you should move yourself to a place where you're being fed and be a part of that church and volunteer in that church and give your time. You can work anywhere. You can, you can do things anywhere. But make God your priority and he'll make you his priority. And I don't recommend that anybody simply, uh, you know, I thank God for technology. I thank God for online and all of that stuff. But it, I said it yesterday, it does not take the place of obeying the word of God and gathering together with other believers. We are commanded to gather. We're commanded to gather. Doesn't mean gather online. They didn't have online when that was written. You have to know what were the original hearers of this letter thought when it was written to them? Do you think they opened that letter at the, the, the Hebrews, the church of the Hebrews and, and opened that up and said, oh yeah, they said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Of course, that also means online. You know, if we want to gather on Facebook, they didn't have it. There's no way that could have been interpreted. If something could not have been interpreted the way that we're interpreting it, when the original readers read it, you can't interpret it that way. Because I've actually heard people say that. We're going to have to redefine what it means to gather, gather together. Someone said that. We're going to have to redefine what the Bible says about gathering together. Who did I hear say that? Andy Stanley? I think it was Andy Stanley. He said, we're going to, in the upcoming days, we're going to have to redefine what it means to gather together. Oh, really? Because when the command was given to the people it was given to, the only way they would have been able to interpret that passage is to come together in person. That's exactly right. No, I would find, what part of Michigan do you live in, Miranda? There are Holy Ghost churches. There are Holy Ghost churches in states. And if it's worth, and it is, I would drive and make the drive to one. Send us a message and let us know where you live in, in uh, Michigan. And we'll try to help you. But if you've got Port Huron, okay. 
if you've got two of the same people counting the offering, there's no security cameras, you know, you, you start to ask yourself the question, the question, how easy would it be for people to embezzle money from, from the church that I give to? The church that I give to. You know, I totally agree with Dylan. Church Alive is worth the drive. I'd drive two hours to go to church and have, you know, back when I was helping my uncle plant the church, I would drive every weekend seven and a half hours to church and then the next, and when the weekend was over, seven and a half hours back. For a year I did that. So it's worth it. But with the question you said, um, there you go. It's only 30 miles from Imlay City. Port Huron's only, you're only 30 miles from Imlay City. You could go to Gateway Assembly in Imlay City, Miranda. Or who, who was it asking that? Oh, Miranda. Uh, it, I, I've preached in Imlay City. I'm coming back in the, in, the, in the new year. It's called Gateway Assembly. Pastor Jeff Christ. And so you could, you could definitely go there. There's churches that are Holy Ghost that you can attend, you know. But if the church is careless with the money, first of all, they don't think it's important to give. They don't think it's important to tithe. They don't think it's important to sow. They, you know, yeah, and Lake, that's right. Lakeside Assembly of God is in Shelby Township, 40 minutes from where you're at. I go to that church as well. And those pastors are brothers. Both of those pastors, Pastor Phil and Pastor Jeff are brothers. And both, both of those churches are Holy Ghost. Those are both Holy Ghost filled men. Those are both Holy Ghost churches. They're Pentecostal Assembly of God churches. And I preach at both of them. Let me tell you, those churches wouldn't have me in to preach. They would just say, stay home. If, if they didn't love the Holy Spirit. And they do love the Holy Spirit. And they're Holy Ghost men. Um, but if your church is careless with money, you need to check that out. Why is it so easy for people to steal from the church? It's because they don't care. And this is a problem because if you take God's money lightly, what else are you taking lightly? What else are you taking lightly? That's a big problem. It's a big problem. And we see it today. Do you know how many pastors that I've had speak to me and say, well, you know, we just, we didn't understand what was going on. And, you know, like I said, we thought it was odd that there was no cash in the offerings for weeks and all this other stuff. And then you, and then you start to realize like, how hard is it to understand if you've got a guy you, you look at every, look at it. And I know I'm speaking to pastors when I say this, but look at every weak link in the chain. People bring the offering to the altar. Where do the buckets go from there? Where do the bags go from there? Is it one dude transporting them to somewhere in a, in a room by himself? Cause what's to stop him from just pulling any cash out? There's gotta be accountability all along the way. And I know I'm probably speaking to pastors and associates and everything like that, but you can tell how flipping a church is by how they conduct themselves and especially how they conduct themselves when you see how lackadaisical they are with everything. You need to be in a church that cares about doing the work of God the right way, cares about the lost, cares about the people, cares about your finances. I'm serious. Cares about your, your safety, cares about the flock. And I'm done messing around with churches. I'm not going to go preach at churches anymore. Uh, I'm telling you this, uh, straight out. I've made up my mind on, on different things. Like this has been my, my thing for a long time, but like one of the things we have, uh, in place is that I won't go preach at a church that invites me to come. If they don't have a website, if you don't even have a website for your church in 2021, don't tell me you care about the vision of God. 
I mean, it's 2021. How do you not have a website? Well, we have a Facebook page. Okay, that means nothing. Why don't you have a website? How come no one can find your church? See, I'm not wasting my precious time when I have a family I could be with, when I'm doing the work of God from here and doing other things around the world. I'm not going to waste my time going to places that have not taken any steps. I went to one church and I, I wasn't even speaking. I just wanted to attend. And I looked them up on, online where their church was located, showed up. You couldn't find it. There was nobody welcome to church. There were no signs telling you where to go. There was no sign with the church name or showing you how to get into the church. And there was nobody waiting by the road showing you where to go. There was nothing. Anybody else would have just gone on to lunch. I had to call six people before I could figure out where to get to to get into the sanctuary. Couldn't, you don't care about people finding your church. You don't care about the community. You don't care. You don't have a website? I'm not coming. I'm not coming. Don't tell me you care when you're not even taking basic steps, basic steps. I'm not going to any church. I did it last year. When, when last year, I never stopped traveling except for one month when I set up this studio, never stopped traveling, but I made up my mind. I'm not going to any place that asks me to wear a mask, not any place, not going to any place. And I'll still not do that. If there's, if I find out places are doing that, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. If I find out vaccines are required, even of their people, I'm not coming. You better believe I'm not coming and I won't come ever again. Ever again. All those different things. I'm not messing around with people that are halfway. And, and in, all, in all honesty, they're probably just backslidden. They, they got no fire, no urgency. You know, my home church is in Margate, Florida. Abundant Life Church. And I'm just not messing with it. There's too much to do. Too much to do. You know, it's crazy to me too. It's like people are on the, on the uh, evangelistic field like I am, but there's people that are like, you know, you need to, you need to, you need to take this. You can go somewhere. And, I, and I've thought about it too. And it's like, it's one thing. It's one thing if you're like, you know, we're going to a place where people have never heard the word of God. And it's a true outreach where people, the souls need to be saved. And it's a true but it's like going overseas to go to a conference and I have to, you know, they want me to vaccinate before I come. I'm not coming or vaccinate so I can come back to America. I'm not coming. You've got your own churches. Do your own work. I'm not coming. It's, it's ridiculous. And people are like, no, it's, it's really important. It's not. And then you get governments that still want you to social distance and have 25% capacity. It's not worth it. It's a waste of time. It's a big waste of time. You know, if you've not seen me, like you see, I don't know if you've seen that I've transitioned out of some of the things that I used to do that I'm not even doing anymore. Like, you know, there's, 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 I'm not even going to get into it, but I'm just, it, we're at the place. It, it just doesn't even make sense. And I'm not going to waste time and you shouldn't be wasting time in churches like this. If you missed it before we pray, they don't think the Bible is the inerrant and inspired word of God. Number one, they don't preach the full gospel. Number two, the Holy Spirit's not free to move. Number three, there's no outreach going on. People aren't being saved. Number four, number five, they require the vaccination or proof of vaccination, or they're pushing the vaccination or the church has become a center for vaccinations. Get out quickly. The safety of the flock isn't even thought about. People could just come in and cause trouble with no repercussion. No usher would stop them. You could walk from the front door to the platform and not one person would stop you. 
Not one person would stop you. Get out. And then they're careless with their money. Get out. Get out. Get out. And go to an on-fire church. Well, I can't find one. When people tell me they can't find one, I know they haven't researched very well. Because you can find anything on the internet. Anything. And if you really did an in-depth search for Pentecostal churches, you would probably first say Pentecostal denominations and search. Which ones are the Pentecostal denominations? Assemblies of God, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, UPC, whatever it is. And then you find them and you say, where are all these churches in relation to me in these denominations? That's the first thing I'd check. And then I'd look for what are the uh, non-denominational churches that are Pentecostal and find one. And if it's, if you got to drive, drive, it's worth the drive to be in the power of the Holy ghost. It's worth it where we plant ourselves. I want you to hear this from me before we pray today, where we plant ourselves now and in the upcoming year is going to mean everything. It's going to mean everything with how we fare in the Holy ghost, what God is using us to do, where we plant ourselves. Begin to be the evangelist. You don't have to correct the pastor, Robert, in order to be, in order to evangelize. Why don't you just begin to evangelize personally in your church? You know, start going out and doing the evangelism yourself. Encourage other members of the church to go with you and do it. Hit the streets in the, in the day. You don't have to talk to the pastor to do that. Just begin to evangelize. Be the initiative. You know, if the doctrine's right and the Holy Ghost is moving and all those different, different things are happening, good. If the thing you're lacking is evangelism, go evangelize. You don't have to be an evangelist to evangelize. Every Christian's called to do it. Encourage other believers that are friends in the church. Let's go. Let's do Saturday on the streets. Let's go witness. Let's go invite people to church. Let's bring them. You know, do go do it. Be what you want to see. Not to be cliche. Be the change you want to see. <laughs> Where we plant ourselves is going to mean everything. It is our foundation. It's our launching pad. It's where we're strengthened. It's where we're fed. And if we're missing it there, we're going to be malnourished Christians. If we miss it there, we will be malnourished Christians and not able to do what we're called to do. It's just the bottom line truth. If we're going to be the strong ones that don't fall away, that don't grow cold and all of those different things that prophesy that would happen to some, We're going to have to be planted in the proper places. Even plants do not grow in improper soil. You have to give it proper soil to grow. And that's what we want. That's what we want. I want to pray for you. God's going to lead us perfectly. In the end of this year, 2022, divine possession belongs to us. Wonders belong to us. And we're going to see supernatural things begin to happen like we never have. But I'm going to pray that the Lord gives some of some people need just a straight wake up. The Holy Ghost needs to give them the boldness to make the move. One of the number one reasons people don't do what they know they should do is what will other people think when I do it? The pressure of relationships, the pressure of, well, I've been here for a long time and they know me really well and I would feel awkward leaving and all, all of those things. People hate change. The flesh hates change, but you know, you got to do something. You got to do it. But that's the number one thing that keeps people from making a move when they know the Holy Spirit's telling them to move. And you got to get past that. You got to get past what people think and caring about what they think. Get past it. 
Get past it and do what, the, what you know is right and what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Father, I pray for every person who's listening to me, every person that's watching, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you'd give them a strong, urgent wake-up call, boldness in their spirit. Lord, we need to be in a place where the fire of God is moving. A fire of God. Lord, I pray you fill every one of us fresh today with a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit, a fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. Let it come upon every one of us today. New boldness, new urgency, new compassion for the lost. I pray you give it to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I pray that the final month and a half of this year would be filled with supernatural wonders in Jesus' name. Let us be, let our, let our jaws drop as we see what you do in our lives. Let it be like a dream. Fill our mouths with laughter. Fill our tongues with singing in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you and give you praise for your goodness and your mercy in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I'm praying for all those that need miracles. Those that today are believing God for supernatural divine intervention. I take authority over every spirit of infirmity, all sickness and disease. I pray right now by the power of the Holy Ghost for those that are struggling in addictions. Lord, break every chain today by your power. Take all the glory for it. Quick turnarounds in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you and we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Dylan, <laughs> he remembered from last, from last week, <laughs> somebody putting in answers to the questions at the end of the broadcast, must have been watching late. I love you. If you receive it, hands up, fire up. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost today. I feel the Holy Ghost on this today. Sow a seed. Sow a seed by the faith that God's given you. Bible says he's dealt to every man a measure of faith, but after the measure of faith, we're responsible to build that faith by hearing the word of God. Those of you that are on every day, your faith is constantly being built. And I'm thankful that you're on. I'm thankful for those that are partnered with us. And I want to ask those of you that aren't pray about it. Ask the Lord, what can I do on a monthly basis to join Ted and Carolyn as they're touching this generation before it's too late with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then stand with us. Be a part of what God's doing. God will bless you for it abundantly. We have so many testimonies of people. I might get all the testimonies that we have when we get to the partner banquet this week. I'd love to hear people's testimonies of uh, what the Lord has done in their life since they've uh, joined us, joined us as partners. If you'd like to do that, go to miracleword.com. Click the partner tab. You can fill out the form. You can see all that we're doing right there but fill out the form and let us know that you're going to be standing with us on a monthly basis. If you'd like to sow a one-time offering today, all the ways are on the screen. You can do it at the website. And by the way, if you go to the website, you'll see every method possible to sow a seed. That's PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, uh, hashtag donate. You can also use Zelle. You can use, um, uh, you can give by cryptocurrency. There's all kinds of different ways that you can sow a seed, but do what the Lord's asking you to do. Again, this month, if you are sowing a seed, standing with us in partnership, uh, my father just released the brand new book, The Camels Are Coming. Uh, it's the introduction study to the gifts of the spirit, volume one. 
Uh, very, very good book. You want this. You do not want to miss this. This is our gift to you for the month of November. If you've not gotten a copy yet, and uh, if you'd like to receive it, go to the website miracleword.com forward slash offer. Leslie, I would love to hear your testimony. Uh, you can send it via email. Please send it to info, I-N-F-O, at miracleword.com. Cannot wait to hear the testimony of, uh, of what God's doing. Again, this Friday night, this Friday night, we're going to be in Bethlehem. One night only, Holy Ghost service. I want to see you there. Make the drive, take a flight, whatever you got to do. It's the Victory Tribe homecoming weekend, and it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's November the 12th, this Friday, 7 p.m. All the details are on the website, and uh, we've got the band. We're going to worship. We're going to praise. I'm going to preach a word to you. I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to minister to you. It's going to be great. Everybody's going to be there, and we're going to have a good time together. And then again, Saturday's the banquet. Can't wait to hang with you guys. Tomorrow, Carolyn's back uh, with another broadcast. Don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. Two o'clock. And then this week, we've got a brand new host on Thursday for the Last Gen Podcast. A new host and a new episode uh, drops Thursday. Uh, We're going to start staggering that uh, broadcast off to Thursday because we've got so much happening on Wednesdays. (laughs) We've got this broadcast. We've got Carolyn's broadcast. We've got Miracle Word Kids. And so, um, say again. We changed it. So it's tomorrow we're going to drop the youth podcast. But from now on, I'm sorry. It's going to be Tuesdays after tomorrow. It's going to be Tuesdays after tomorrow. So tomorrow, as usual, last gen podcast. But from then on, and if you haven't checked it out yet, Go check it out on, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple, uh, whatever you've got. Um, search the last gen podcast, um, and subscribe. It's for students, but anybody's going to be blessed by it. This is going to be an interesting episode that's coming up this week. You're going to love it. My cousin Preston Shuttlesworth is going to be hosting the podcast with a very, very interesting episode. It's going to be great. Faith said, how many members of the tribe do you predict to be there on Friday? Um, I don't know. I know that on Saturday, we have approximately about a 120 Victory Tribe members uh, that are going to be with us on Saturday. So I'm not sure Friday is going to be maybe that or more uh, going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Plus, all of those that are that attend Central Assembly of God are welcome to join us for the Friday night service. So it's going to be an awesome night. Very, very, very excited about it. I love all you guys very much. Don't forget, if you... Um, Dylan said, when are you and Tiffany doing a business one again? What we talked about doing is since we're headed up to Pennsylvania this week, we might drop it on stereo since all of us will be there. Uh, Jenna's going to be there, Tiffany, Zach, Carolyn, myself. We might drop a stereo, uh, which we'll announce if we do. And then of course it'll go on to the podcast. But um, what was I going to say right before then? Oh, if you were a winner today, make sure you please send... Jenna, hey, it's funny how I worded that because everyone's like, I'm a winner every day, my God. No, if you won Bible trivia today, send an email to Jenna at MiracleWord.com. I love you guys, man. We're in revival at our church. We've got tonight, we've got tomorrow night. My father's preaching, ministering, and uh, it's great. If you can get here, Abundant Life Church, all the info's on the website. Come be a part of these services. They're at seven o'clock tonight and tomorrow night. I love you. Have a powerful day. I'll talk to you again soon.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.